Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. today for Song of the Soul is Amy Chabot. Amy has a deep connection to spirit and to living out her Catholic faith. She traveled for a year with National Evangelization Team Ministries following high school, spent five months living in a Carmelite monastery, and is headed to Catholic Theological Union for a Masters of Divinity this fall. And she was a religious studies major and Spanish minor, not to mention her service as a certified nursing assistant, work that allows her to pass on the care and blessings of God's presence in her life. Amy, it's so good for you to join me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Let's tell them the story of how you ended up here, because I haven't met you before today, and you were, in fact, knocking on the wrong office door when you were coming in for the interview. I um, heard about this through a friend of yours, Damien. He stopped me on the on the street, basically, really, and he was on his bike, and I was walking home, and he said, "Hey, I, I think you'd be a good candidate for this program that I that I help out with." So that's that's how I heard about it. And I think he had seen you at Severson Home, where you work, right? Right, that's correct. I am a nurse's aide at the Severson Home. Are you just filling in a couple years as a certified nursing assistant there before you go off to the next phase of your life? I graduated from a university in 2005 and just needed something to sort of pass the time until I was ready for grad school. 
thought about getting into healthcare chaplaincy, but you need a master's degree for that, and wasn't ready for grad school. So I looked into getting a CNA license from the technical college. I became a CNA and got a job at the Severson Home. We're going to start right into your music because we're going to fill in a lot of biographical details, I think, as we go along. Let's start right away with Margaret Becker. Why did you choose Never for Nothing? Never for Nothing is a very uh, powerful song for me because I'm always, I think, trying to give too much. You know, I'm a giver, but I, I think almost too much uh, where I used to um, get very distraught if people didn't receive what I wanted to give, you know. That, and I'm talking about different, you know, like uh, wanting to do favors for them or just caring for them if they're having a down day and, and just wanting to listen to them, that kind of thing. And and so always wanting to give my love, but sometimes not feeling like it's received in the best way. So Margaret Becker's song, Never for Nothing, really helped me through some of those times. And right out of high school, I traveled with a youth ministry team called Net Ministries. It stands for National Evangelization Team Ministries. It's a Catholic youth ministry. And they travel the country and they give retreats by day and they stay with host families by night. And I served with a team in Canada. There's teams in Australia as well and in the United States. And towards the end of the, of the year, we had these one-on-ones with our teammates sort of saying goodbye to the relationship as it was. And what a lot of my teammates said to me was, you know, we always knew that you loved us. And so that was really nice because that had been sort of a challenge for me throughout that year. And in fact, I had written a song about it, just about God's love, God's having an ocean of love to offer us and then but how do I receive that and give that to others without being overwhelmed or you know different things like that so Margaret Becker's Never for Nothing has has helped me sort of just let go of that need to have my love be received well and and just to accept people where they're at I guess. Have you been warned against codependence when you have an emotion and you want someone else's emotion to match your emotion? There's a danger of codependence, right? And you you talked about how I think you were freed from expecting what the other person would react to your love. Is this a danger for you in terms of relationship, including romantic relationship? Is this a, an issue that you have to deal with? I think at one time it was, but not necessarily romantically. Uh, I think... In friendships, at times, I, I would become, I suppose, overly dependent on, on my friends needing my help or different things like that. And through prayer and through the wisdom of very direct friends, I was able to, as you say, become freed from that expectation. And through the wisdom of singers like Margaret Becker and her song, Never for Nothing.
the year that you traveled with the NET Ministries. You're 26 now. How long ago was that that you traveled with them? That was in the academic year of 99-2000, seven or eight years ago. Since then, you've gone through college, you've got a degree, you've worked in a nursing home for a while. One of your majors was religious studies. I'm kind of curious. It seems like you're very drawn towards ministry. Had you ever considered any of the, I guess, official church-sanctioned ministries going in that direction? Yes. All throughout high school, I had been to uh, different net retreats because they were based out of St. Paul, and I grew up in a suburb of Minneapolis. And uh, a friend introduced me to the net ministries there, and they would have kind of biannual retreats and monthly youth rallies. And so we would go to those things and those retreats. And my love for the sacraments really took deep root in me during that time. They'd have always during those retreats a time of reconciliation, a time of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. and They were very Catholic retreats, and my love for the Catholic Church really took deep root during that time. Also, then I started being curious about religious life. and I remember I was in 10th grade, and I remember saying to a good friend of mine, I said, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be a nun someday and and he said being the wise friend he was he said you know I mean it's not like the movie sister act <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny but uh so after high school I traveled a year with with net ministries and was still sort of thinking about the possibility of religious life and 
my uh, teammates would make comments like, oh, we're just going to find the nearest monastery and drop Amy off there just because they, they saw my love for prayer and, and that kind of thing and my desire to just be with God. And then the year ended, and I had a friend of mine that I had met through the Net Ministries training. Her name at the time was Angela. She joined a Carmelite community in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the small town of Denmark. So I got curious about it, and I went out to visit her a few times, and she's still there. Uh, Her name now is Sister John Paul of the Incarnation. But at any rate, I had been at college for about three semesters after Net Ministries, and then took a time of uh, absence, a semester leave of absence, to discern religious life. So I, I, then I joined them. I joined the Carmelite nuns. I think it was about 2003, maybe. And lived with them for five months. And it was a wonderful experience to share with my friend who had been there before me. And, and just to learn from the nuns. It was beautiful. But it wasn't for me. So I was only there for five months. And then came back to school here at the U- University of Eau Claire. And, and the transition was difficult, but I, I never doubted my decision. I always felt like it was the right decision to go and try it and the right decision to come back and become more involved in, as a lay person. It sounds like you've done a wise thing that a lot of times our society doesn't really encourage us to do, to to try some paths right away. A lot of people in our society think you finish high school, you go to college, you get your degree, you start your job, and you never have a time to question, search, and try out alternatives. So it looks like you've probably done some wise decision-making along the way with the right guidance, I'm sure. You mentioned to me at one point that while you were doing your net ministries travel, that the next song that you've chosen for your Song of the Soul kind of came up as a theme song for that traveling in the ministry. Tell us about this world and Cademan's Call and how that connects with this net ministry's traveling you were doing. Well, certainly. A lot of times, traveling across Canada, we'd have a lot of travel days. I remember our longest travel time was when we were going from doing retreats in Alberta to Nova Scotia. And it was a six-day yeah, it was a six day drive when we have a 12-passenger van, and there's 10 of us in this van. And so we listened to a lot of music, and we played a lot of games and different things to pass the time as we traveled. And our, our team just really enjoyed a couple of different groups, and one of our favorite groups was Cademan's Call. And uh, this world would come up on the tape that we had, and we'd all sing along. And so we listened to it a lot while we were on the road. And so at the end of the year, when they had the talent show for the teams and stuff, our music leader learned how to play it on our guitar, and, and we all sang it for the talent show. It was been a real powerful song, too, because it talks about how this world has everything, and, and yet this world has nothing for me. And this world has all that I could want, and yet nothing that I need. And so it really talks about the spirituality aspect of our lives and how um, what we really need is that peace of mind and of soul that, that only a spirituality can give, that only God can give, prayer, meditation, that kind of thing. Also, one of the more powerful lines of the song is that it talks about the least of these looks like a criminal to me, so I leave Christ on the streets. Because, you know, the scripture talks about how even if you've done this for the least of these, give him a cup of water, whatever it is, you've done this for me. And I think that's a really important line of the song because it's easy to see the least of these as a criminal and then leave Christ on the street and leave that call behind. So it's always a a hard road to balance, you know. But I learned something wise from one of my teammates that year as well. There was a woman 
we went to a shrine in Montreal, and there was a woman outside of the gift shop just begging for money. She said she wanted to buy some shoes, and so we gave her some money, and we and then we went in the gift shop, and it felt like we had been there a while. And when I came back out, she was still begging money for shoes, and and I said to my teammate, "Don't you think she's got enough money by now?" And he says, "Listen, only God knows her heart." And that was really wise to me because there, there I was, in a sense, leaving Christ on the street, seeing him as a criminal, and. And my teammate said, just don't judge. It's God's place to judge. Uh, this world has spoken to me in a lot of different levels, and, and it was a, a theme song for our team on the road as we traveled. The song is This World. It's by Capeman's Call.
line from that song that you referred to, Amy, the one about leaving Christ on the street because he's the least of my brothers, two thoughts come together for me. One is you were a religious studies major, and you've studied all these things, including, you know, about kirtans as Hindu chanting, and you know you've been to a Quaker meeting, you've seen some of the landscape, you know about that. There's one of the people I've spoken with for my program here. He suggested that were the what we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan told again today, it would be the parable of the Good Muslim. The Samaritan in that story, even though he's kind of connected with Judaism on the fringes, they weren't good Jews. They were considered apostate and evil and bad and they're dirt. So the least of my brothers, therefore. And yet in the parable, Jesus holds this person up, a nobody, a no good. Uh, a, I mean, this is... This is the evil people, and yet they're the hero of the parable. How do you react to that idea? Oh, I definitely have to disagree with that idea of putting the Muslims, you know, in the in that least category. I know the media portrays them that way, but it's they're some of the most religious people, compassionate and and that kind of thing, and really practicing what they believe. And it's just a small faction that is gone the other way and giving them sort of a bad name. But it's a, a strong story, yes, yeah, certainly that the least of these is, is the one that's helping. And it definitely fits in with, with that idea of Cademan's Call. Well, speaking of the least of these, let's go on to song three of Amy Chabot's Song of the Soul. It's called Thief. So I thought, you know, it fits pretty well with least of these, doesn't it? Tell us about the song. I certainly know the story in the Bible it refers to. Third Day is a, a wonderful group. I'm always impressed with their songs that they come out with and just the way that they speak to the heart, similar to the way Margaret Becker's songs have always done for me as well. Third Day's song, Thief in particular, talks about the crucifixion. And how there's that thief that says, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Third Day does a really good job of portraying it in a different perspective I haven't, that I hadn't really considered until I heard their song. He says, look, I'm a thief and, and I, I know what I did wrong and, and I deserve this punishment. But there's that man over there and he's referring to Jesus and he didn't do anything wrong. And yet they're raising him up next to me. Uh, I think that's just really powerful speaks to us on, on the level of, I hesitate to say fundamental Christianity, but you know that's, I guess, more the level that it, that it speaks to when we're talking about Jesus saving us and, and coming for our sins. I've always wondered, we have a tendency in the hindsight to make um, great noble people of, you know, George Washington or, you know, did you cut down that cherry tree? Oh, I could not tell a lie. I wonder if he lied, you know. I mean, <laughs> if he tried to get an oh, caught red-handed. I always wonder with Jesus how much we whitewash his human life. Did he soil his diapers? Was he tempted to lie to his parents? You know, that all that kind of thing. And sometimes I feel most inspired by Jesus myself when I realize he's in human situations and somehow he's able to have this direct channel to God. He's he's able to to do both things. Uh when when you make him too perfect, like he did nothing wrong, I sometimes think that that reduces his witness to me. Well, that's you bring up a good point in that I've read some interesting 
literature in, in some of my classes, my religious studies classes about that. They call them the infancy narratives. If my professors are listening, they're going to not uh, appreciate the fact that I can't remember exactly where those infancy narratives came from. But <laughs> they're basically stories of what Jesus might have been like as a young kid playing in a sandbox, you know, and some kid steals his favorite dinosaur toy and he says, cursed be you, and the kid dies, you know, things like this. <laughs> so <laughs> stories about Jesus learning that balance, but... Then again, they're certainly probably, you know, a little bit mythologized or legendized, or whatever the word would be. I think it's important when we're trying to imitate Jesus that it's uh, important to remember his humanity and remember that we have the same capacity. I really believe we have a similar capacity to be sort of a channel of healing and, and hope and, and uh, to be God incarnate. Christology talks about that as I study theology, and one of my professors wrote a book called Divine Becoming, and it really talks about that. That was by Charlene Burns. Put a little plug in there for her, my professor. She really talked about how the capacity that we all have um, for that divine becoming, and, and I think John of the Cross talks a lot about that, too. And I'm sure in the Quaker meetings, it's certainly what you're striving for, becoming one with, with God and the light. And Jesus said himself in scripture that the things that I do, you you will do the same things and great things greater than these if you do it in my name. And just to remember that, that we do have that capacity. With that in mind, let's listen to the song Thief by Third Day. I am a thief. I am a murderer. Walking on this long That my time is coming soon It's been so long Oh, such a long time Since I've lived with peace and rest And now I am here at my destination And I guess things work for the best And I know that my time is coming soon oh, Who is this man or oh, this man
Time has come I'm slowly fading But I deserve all I receive Jesus, when you Bring your kingdom Could you please, please remember me, That was a group known as Third Day and their song Thief. You're listening to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. I'm Mark Helps Meet, your host, and our guest today is Amy Chabot. Well, let me see. You chose another Margaret Becker song for your fourth song, your Song of the Soul, and it's called Deep Calling Deep. I'm just somehow imagining that this Deep Calling Deep would have been a lot of your experience, particularly while you're sitting in the Carmelite Monastery. That seems a place where deep just surrounds you and you get to hear it so clearly. Certainly, that's one aspect of it. Deep calling deep. There's so there's so many different ways to take that, and that's certainly one way. I mean, in the Carmelite Monastery, we came together seven times a day for prayer and an hour of mental prayer in the morning and another hour in the evening. And I mean, it's a life of prayer and sacrifice for the good of the church, really, and praying for everyone. And But also something that St. Therese sort of said, and this is referred to, I think, in the book called I Believe in Love, about the writings of St. Therese. And it talks about how the abyss of our misery attracts the abyss of God's mercy. And that's one thing that this song reminds me of, that deep calling upon deep. And I think even there's a psalm somewhere in scripture about that, the deep calling deep. And it's just been a constant reminder to me of never getting discouraged and continuing to, as Margaret Becker says in her song, to keep going to that higher truth, that higher love, that higher calling, and, and to just continue to, to persevere, uh, even in the midst of trials. Let's listen to Margaret Becker's wonderful voice. The song is Deep Calling Deep. Deep 
me, since I was raised Catholic, I had the experience, uh, a lot of the experience with the church you have, except in a previous generation. I'm essentially one generation older than you. One of the influences that hit me along the way with respect to St. Francis of Assisi was the movie called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Have you seen that movie? Do you know what it's about? I have seen it. It's been a while, but... St. Francis has always been a, a role model for me. I, I took him as a confirmation saint. Uh, you know, in, in the Catholic Church, it's usually tradition to take a saint's name for confirmation, and then that saint sort of becomes your patron and sort of looks out for you throughout your life. So I've always felt really close to St. Francis. I appreciated the way that he just gave up everything, went against his father, and said, look, this is just what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow God, because... That's sort of what I had to do at first when I decided to travel with Net Ministries instead of going to college right away. And, you know, my parents weren't very supportive of that idea. You know, later they came around and they said, we're proud of you for making this decision, but they weren't supportive. And same thing with the joining the Carmelite nuns. They really, it was a hard thing for them, and understandably so. So St. Francis has always sort of gotten me through that. And also his life of simplicity and, and poverty. And he's a good guy. <laughs> I believe that you're looking towards going into grad school, or I guess we call it grad school in the secular world, but for when you're going for a Master's of Divinity, that doesn't hardly fit. Where are you going? What's your plan? I'll be attending the Catholic Theological Union in Chicago, and I intend on getting a Master's of Divinity in order to become a health care chaplain. My goal for ministry is to be an instrument of hope, for people. And, and that's one of the reasons why I chose this song, uh, Instruments of Your Peace, because it doesn't necessarily speak exactly of hope, but it does give hope, I think, the words do. As I aspire to be an instrument of hope for people in crisis and trauma, I think that just by letting them know that they're loved and by showing my compassionate spirit, I really believe that, that can bring healing in their lives. It's from the CD, Women of Faith, Joy, Grace, Love, and Peace. The song is Instruments of Your Peace. It's from the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi.
There's something that's kind of stirring in the back of my mind. I have a feeling that in the Catholicism I grew up in, which again, a few decades in the past would have been Vatican II and right after, I'm not sure how excited they would have been about me learning kirtans and Buddhist meditation and everything. Does that fit more comfortably in Catholicism today as you've experienced it growing up? Probably not. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell too many people that. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't broadcast it either. <laughs> no, I think it's all right. Um, the people at my church they know that I am pretty stout-hearted Catholic. That Catholic is my first love. Uh, being Catholic, I've tried all these other things and I've been able to branch out into them. But I have deep roots in Catholicism, and that's definitely where my spirit is the most watered. I guess you could say. I see myself as a big tree, kind of, you know, with these deep roots going into this rich soil of sacramental Catholicism. And I really believe all that the Catholic Church teaches. You know, there's a few things here or there that everybody disagrees with, you know. But on the whole, they're doing good things, and it's fed my spirit for so long. So I've really stayed committed to the Catholic Church. So I've got these deep roots, but uh, my branches go out into these other areas. And the way I reconcile it, I guess is that I'm I'm not wholeheartedly going into these other groups, but definitely seeing the wisdom that they have to offer. Gandhi is one of my major role models, and, and he had sort of a similar way of going about things. He always stayed, I believe it was a Hindu, but he studied Christianity, he studied Islam, he studied, you know, all of them. And in Gandhi the movie, he, there's this part where he says, I am a Christian and a Hindu and a Jew, and you know, he says all these things. And that reminds me also of a book I read called The Life of Pi. It was a fictional book, but it was so good. And in the one of the chapters, the, the main character talks about how he was going to the Muslim meetings, and then he was going to the Hindu meetings and, and all the different meetings. And, and then all the leaders of these different religious groups met and said, no, he, he's a Hindu, no, he's a Buddhist. And Pi just said, I just want to love God, and that's kind of where I'm at, but um, with staying mostly committed to the Catholic Church. This is Song of the Soul, and we're visiting with Amy Chabot, who's sharing her Song of the Soul. She's 26, works at Severson Home as a certified nursing assistant right now. She finished her degree at UW-Eau Claire in Religious Studies and Spanish. And uh, this fall, I think she's headed to the Catholic Theological Union down in Chicago to get her Master's in Divinity. So we're really privileged to have her on the show today. Amy, the next song you've chosen for your song as well is by Jenny Owens, and it's called If You Want Me To. Well, the thing you have to know about Jenny Owens is that she's blind. And at first she wanted to be a choir teacher, and that nobody would hire her because she was blind. So some way or another, I think somebody maybe discovered her and she made her way into contemporary Christian music. And so perhaps that's where the soulful kind of attitude comes from, you know, just that it wasn't her first pick, but God certainly has blessed her in her ministry as a contemporary Christian singer-songwriter. And I choose this song, If You Want Me To, because it speaks to a level of another song by Jenny Owens as well called I Am. And both of these songs kind of talk about a similar theme. 
that is feeling called to do something, feeling like, like you, for example, Moses, who felt was called to be this prophet and to lead the people out of Egypt. And, and he said, well, hang on, God, I really think you've got the wrong guy. I, simple conversation gets me tongue tied. And I, you know, and those are some of the lyrics from I Am by Jenny Owens. But basically, and if you want me to, is kind of a similar idea where she talks about going through the valley and the hard times and persevering and, and how it's hard. But if God, if you want me to, if this is really where you want me to go, and I trusting you to get me through it, trusting your, your mercy and, and your compassion and your wisdom. This song for me has been really good because I know that I want to be a healthcare chaplain. I know that I have a lot of gifts in that area. But I also know it's going to be a struggle. And there'll be times when I'll have to just really keep an eye on taking good care of myself. And, you know, for anybody, it can get burnt out. But for myself, it's even more of a challenge, I think, just recently being diagnosed with bipolar, too. So having to just really keep an eye on having that balance between different things. Uh, so, but I really feel called to do this. So I sort of feel like Moses, you know, where, okay, but I stutter. Okay, but I, I get attached to people, God. It's hard even just at the nursing home. People die and I have a really hard time with it and that kind of thing. And, but I really just trusting God to lead me and that he'll provide the support and the wisdom to help me know, you know, how much is enough and when to say, okay, that's, I can't do that today or something like that. So this is a good song for me, I think. Sounds like it. I wish you all of that guidance and strength as you go through this wonderful period of learning more so that you can help people more and taking care of yourself at the same time. The song is If You Want Me To. Ginny Owens is the singer. The pathway is broken The signs are unclear And I don't know the reasons Why you brought me just because you love me the way that you do, I'm gonna walk through the valley if you want me to. No, I'm not who I was when I took my first step. And I'm all by myself 
Your English is pretty good, you know, Amy. I'm just wondering how good your Spanish is. The next song's in Spanish, and since you also studied Spanish at the university, I'm just wondering if you can just fluently roll off all kinds of Spanish at me. Bueno, amigo, esta canción se llama Montaña. Es una canción muy muy bien para mí. Es que... I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. Also, to the embarrassment of my professors, I'm sure. But <laughs> anyway, I do enjoy Spanish. I lived for six weeks in Mexico, studying abroad. It was a wonderful experience. Very challenging, but but wonderful. Learned a lot of Spanish. Made a lot of good friends. But this song, Montaña, by Salvador, is. I just, I don't know, I heard Salvador on the radio once a while back, and they were singing in Spanish, and I just, or anyway, some song they were singing, and it just really caught my eye, because they're just full of enthusiasm and energy, and and it caught my ear, I guess, if it was on the radio. <laughs> but they just, they were great, so I, I went out and I bought their CD, and every song has, has been so wonderful. Um, this song in particular is about, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, it can move mountains. And the reason I love the song is because I really believe that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it can move mountains. And we think of our trials in life as these mountains that we have to overcome. And I think sometimes we expect something to happen one way and we're not really willing to let go of the way we want it to go. And maybe that's why it's hard. I don't know, it's hard for me sometimes. And but just remembering that God is in control and that if I just trust him and have that faith the size of a mustard seed, he'll see me through it and my mountain will move eventually. <laughs> Let's listen to the song in Spanish, Montaña, which to our Anglo eyes looks a little bit like Montana. I imagine that's where the state name came from. It's by a group called Salvador. Si tuvieras fe como un grano de mostaza Esto lo dice el Señor Si tuvieras fe Como un grano de mostaza Esto lo dice el Señor Tú le dirías A la montaña Muévete, muévete Tú le dirías A la montaña Muévete, muévete 
Esa montaña se moverá, Esa montaña se moverá, Esa montaña se moverá, Esa montaña se moverá, Si tuvieras fe como un grano de mostaza, esto lo dice el Señor. Si tuvieras fe como un grano de mostaza, esto lo dice el Señor. Dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. Tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. Esa montaña se moverá, se moverá. Esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá. Esa montaña se moverá. Muévete, muévete, tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete, esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá. Si tú eras fe, como un grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Si tú eras fe, como un grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. A la montaña Muévete Muévete Esa montaña se moverá Esa montaña se moverá Esa montaña se moverá Esa montaña se moverá this very solid trunk with deep roots of Catholicism and that you've got those wonderful branches, as you mentioned, hanging out there that are honoring the other great traditions of the world. It's uh, inspirational, the music that you chose for us, and I wish you all the best as you go down to Catholic Theological Union down in Chicago. It's a powerful ministry you'll be in as a health care chaplain. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much for having me here today. It's been a wonderful experience to share all of this with you. My guest for today's Song of the Soul has been Amy Chabot. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. 
You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song of the soul.